is a little bit of entertainment, live and in real time. And, and along with the entertainment, there's some, some edification, I hope. Uh, and there's one thing that I always like to talk about, and I think that most people like to talk and or hear about, and that's the weather. And we're lucky because we, we have a visit periodically from the uh, Nick Petro, who's with the National Weather Service, and uh, uh, alternating with that is uh, our long-time weatherman, who used to have the same job that Nick has, but who retired from the National Weather Service a number of years ago and to go into private industry as a meteorologist. He still has to keep up with the weather, and his name is Rod Gonski, and I hope he's on the other end of this telephone. Rod, are you there? Hello, Tom. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> because if you're not on the end, I've got a lot of talking to do. But anyway, it's <laughs> good to have you with us tonight. And uh, uh, our producer, John, said that you, you two had had a little, he likes, he likes to warm up our guests. He's kind of the, well, I guess, you know, most like the Johnny Carson show or Letterman, they always had somebody to warm up the crowd, and he likes to warm up the guests and that uh, find out what they're going to be talking about. And uh, we're going to talk about the weather tonight. But um, yep, uh, you were telling me something, and I was telling John that this this topic always sneaks up on me. It's it's out there, and it has to do with the, with the potential for drought. And so I'm going to sort of get out of your way here. Maybe I can keep it a little bit, but uh, you can well. You're correct, Tom. Uh, it, you know, everybody thinks about weather, but one of the one of the uh, the more difficult uh, uh, phenomena to anticipate uh, is is uh, the occurrence of drought. And drought is simply the uh, lack of rainfall over a certain period of time that causes uh, you know severe shortage in either uh, groundwater or uh, moisture in the uh, uh, in the plants uh, that uh, cover the ground or in the stream flow or uh, in any number of ways. So uh, drought is is, uh, is something that's quite frequent here in North Carolina. In fact, looking back at the records over the last over 100 years, every, every few years we're, we're visited by drought of uh, certain uh, severity or moderation sometimes that... Uh, uh, you know, we don't even think about it, but anybody that has to work the soil at all, whether it be farmers or people in their garden or trying to recreate, uh, you know, with, with uh, uh, boating out on the streams or, or rivers, looking for certain water levels on, uh, on creeks, even if you're recreating uh, with kayaks and, and, and such sporting equipment as that, you become very concerned about uh, about the you know the amount of water, and it's been a few years since we've had a um, uh, you know a shortage because the last two three years now it seems like we've uh, had a sufficient amount of, of water, but uh, just recently now in the last month uh, we have uh, had uh, quite quite a bit less, and, and you look and when we look at the map across North Carolina the uh, most of the Piedmont area and uh, and into the coastal plain and coastal areas have had uh, somewhere on the order of only a quarter to half as much rain as we should have had uh, during the past 30 to 60 days. So, uh, so it's, it's kind of sneaking up on us. And uh, like I like I said at the top, though, 
uh, North Carolina has uh, had uh, quite, a, quite a long history of uh, drought occurrences, and that begins all the way back into the uh, 1500s when the, when the lost colony took place, the leading theory being that, uh, that the drought of 1587 to 1589 may have done them in, uh, and no water having fallen on them, so that it became very difficult to get... Uh, any kind of drinking water out there on the Outer Banks and in the Manio area. And uh, that was also true of the Jamestown uh, settlement uh, not too far to the north of there, uh, where they had an extreme drought uh, in 1606 to 1612, a six-year drought that put the uh, settlement under severe stress there. So uh, as you can see, there's, a, there's quite a history of, uh, of dryness in this part of the country. And... Uh, so we have to recognize that. And uh, did you have any other questions? Uh, I, I can I can explain a little bit more how we how we get into this uh, predicament every once in a while. Well, let, let me ask you. I was just thinking uh, about uh, I, my mind tends to be historical. I was thinking about yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Kearney and I went over to Chapel Hill to the Friday Center uh, about February twentieth to get our. our shot, you know, our COVID, COVID shot, and I remember right, we went on, yeah. on North Carolina uh, 54, you, which is not, mm -hmm. not the expressway, but the other road, uh, and uh, as we passed through one area just before we got to Chapel Hill, it's real low, and there was a lot of water on both sides, and yeah. there was a sign that said Waterfowl Conservation Center or something, and I have a friend, right. and I called, I called him about it, but there was, there was a lot of water standing there, and I think I remember that that it was said that we were maybe four or five inches ahead of the amount already in the year at that time. Yeah. But but it's yeah. been since then that things have, have fallen off. I mean, I'm, I'm just talking, I'm kind of going to be the historian of this. I can remember one year it was um, very, very wet, and Sue and I were going to go to, to uh, Sunset Beach, and we stopped in Goldsboro, and while we were going down I-40, it rained and it rained and it rained, and it was like June 16th. Mm -hmm. And then yep. it didn't rain. That was I remember because that was the last day that it rained. It didn't rain for about three months then. And and what happens historically in the North Carolina that I have lived in all my life is that, that this happens often. And somewhere in the early part of the football season, everything breaks loose. If you know what I mean. There's there's a there's a there's a big well, storm. That's true. Or yeah, that is true, Tom. And uh, you know. April, you know, we just had uh, April here. April tends to be a very dry month, and uh, which is counterintuitive for, for most places because everybody tries to think of April showers bring May flowers and that type of thing. But, but you know, April is, uh, is typically the, about the second driest month of the year. The, the leading uh, dryness month is, is oftentimes uh, October. But, um, but that dryness ex can extend into the early part of summer, and it, it sometimes takes uh, a more tropical type of system uh, or pattern coming in here late in summer, like in August or September, and, and now I'm talking either, you know, tropical storms type of, uh, of, of a pattern that will actually uh, help break the drought or relieve it uh, to a great extent. Oftentimes when we, we get into a... a a, you know, a multi-year drought situation, uh, it's, it's oftentimes we are, uh, you know, missing about a quarter to a half, in, half as much of rainfall as we normally have 
and, and sometimes uh, that amount is, is accounted for by the lack of tropical storms uh, coming into the area. Uh, oftentimes, uh, we, you know, we, we rely on the tropical systems coming in here later in the year to relieve us of, of the dryness that can develop uh, during the course of the year. When we look at, uh, you know, when we look at the position of uh, where North Carolina is in, in relationship uh, to other uh, features around the globe, you know, the, the air over the equator, you know, uh, tends to rise up. And uh, because that's where the, the heat is, that's where the hottest part, part of the Earth is. And so you get a, a net rising motion over the equator areas in the tropics. And uh, that air has got to go somewhere. Once it goes up, it spreads out to the north and to the south of the equator. And, uh, and it increases the pressures, you know, the, the piling up of the air, so to speak, kind of increases the pressures in the subtropical belt. And the subtropical belt extends to around 30, 30 north uh, latitude or 30 south latitude. And that's the favorite area for air to begin to settle out or descend. Now, uh, you, if you can follow me, you know, okay, can I stop you, you, got, you, can yeah? stop you for a moment? Can sure. I stop you for a moment? Uh, one, yeah. number one, we need to take a break. So to hear okay. how this story comes out. Uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got to wait for Mr. Gonski. This is called a radio tease. The other thing is, I want to. I think I, you're, you're, I think I'm right about this. That we in Raleigh are at about 35 north, and you said this goes right. to about 30. So they get right. our listeners a marker to know sort of where we are. Okay. Rod Gonski is explaining the the tropical moisture and the the, the occurrence of drought to us. Just in time, perhaps, because apparently it's it's already out there and lurking in the wings. We'll be back with Rod right after this. I'm Kearney Show on a Thursday night. I believe it's uh, May the 6th, and we're talking about the weather. It is springtime in North Carolina, and we have uh, increasing pieces of what would be described as a drought situation. And we're lucky enough to have uh, meteorologists... Uh, uh, Rod Gonski here to to, to right. explain it to us, and that's what we were doing when I so rudely interrupted him. But we do have to do the commercials, <laughs> and so Rod, going to go back to where you were. Uh, and, okay, uh, well, yes, I'm, I was trying to explain uh, uh, the occurrence of drought in in North Carolina. Yeah, and uh, you know, speaking uh, speaking toward it uh, by by focusing on where we are in, in the global situation, and uh, and as I said. You know, the air tends to move up into the atmosphere uh, from the equator area. Uh, it moves upward because it's, it's hot. It's hot along the equator and heat rises. So, you know, the hot air moves up into the upper atmosphere. And, and in the upper atmosphere, the air spreads out north and south from the equator. It's got to come down someplace or settle out. And its favored areas uh, of settling are in the subtropics. And oftentimes that's, that's centered around 30 degrees north or 30 degrees south latitude. Now, as you pointed out, Raleigh is, is, uh, is at about 35 degrees north latitude. And, and so we're not far away from that preferred area of descending air. Well, what happens when the air settles is that it compresses and it dries and, and it heats up again. And, uh, and it, 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 because it dries out, uh, the weather systems that 
that tried to come through the area also receive a lot of dry air from that process, and it kind of dries them out. Now, in addition to that, when the subtropical uh, high-pressure systems, which is what these phenomena are, are centered just to our south, like across the Gulf of Mexico, we tend to get more of our air coming from the west. And there's that uh, high mountain ridge called the Appalachian Mountains. And when the air is coming across the, the mountains, it tends to dry out. It's called the rain shadow effect. So we got a little bit of that going on, too. So uh, what I've been seeing here the last few weeks is it's been very, very wet in the middle of the, uh, of the, uh, of the country around the Mississippi Valley, Tennessee Valley, Ohio Valley, that area. These, these uh, weather systems have been very uh, rich with moisture in that part of the uh, country, and that's going to continue to be the case here for the next uh, two, three weeks. It's going to be wet on the other side of the mountains, but as soon as these systems get east of the mountains, they're tending to dry out here in the Piedmont of, of North Carolina. And uh, it's a pattern that I have seen over and over again in the 30-plus years that I was with the National Weather Service here in North Carolina. And and so what, what it's tending to do is, is you have a uh, high-pressure ridge uh, now that is favoring the, the Gulf of Mexico area, you know, and the Gulf states, meaning like Mississippi, Alabama, and even out uh, westward toward uh, Texas. The high-pressure ridge, in other words, the favored area of descending air, is kind of drying out some of that air as it tries to come uh, eastward. Uh, and, and, and so we're seeing that kind of a pattern setting up, and that may continue now for the next uh, at least two or three weeks, uh, you know, looking at the models and uh, not going beyond that at this point. But, but uh, we, like we've already said, uh, you know, we've had a deficit here this past 30 days uh, where we've only seen about a quarter of the amount of rain that, uh, that we typically have, uh, even as dry as April typically is. It's only a quarter of the amount that, that uh, should have been falling, you know, falling during the past month. So uh, we're going to have to watch out for that because, like I said at the top, uh, uh, you know, drought has a way of sneaking up on you. It's, uh, it's, not th it's not something that people regularly think about unless you're trying to grow something in the soil, of course, uh, the, you know, the agricultural industry, or you're perhaps uh, recreating where you're trying to use the waterways uh, uh, for sporting or whatever. And... Uh, so, you know, the agriculture is going to tend to feel it first uh, and uh, people that are gardening out there. Uh, and if it continues uh, later on into the summer, we could get into, you know, water supply problems. You have, uh, <clears throat> you have told me that some of the weather, at least in the winter, and I don't know if it's, it's true in the spring and summer, uh, that we get east of the Appalachians in this part of the world, maybe as far south as North Carolina or South Carolina, it's kind of spillover weather that comes down east of the Appalachians, like down from near Washington, D.C., down into Virginia and down down here, rather than across the mountains. Is there any right. is there any influence or any blocking force that keeps that from happening at this point? Well, that is a typical cold weather pattern okay. uh, That's for, for the wintertime. Okay? Okay. And All we right. call that cold air damming when that occurs, and typically it's caused by the polar high-pressure systems uh, that build up over New England and New York and send their air southward, and that layer of very cold air tends to be shallow, and it's kind of 
blocked by the mountains from spreading out to the west, and so it concentrates instead to the east of the mountains and into the Pied- especially into the Piedmont areas of North Carolina that include Raleigh and Greensboro and Charlotte. Okay. Well, I, 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 that's one thing that I had learned, and I, I suspected it might be different seasonally, but I needed you to corroborate that before. Does my old friend does my old friend there's, there's, uh, there are, if any of your uh, listeners are, uh, you know, uh, really good at uh, or, or interested in, in, you know, investigating more things about the way uh, drought is measured, uh, there there are sites on the, uh, uh, in North Carolina uh, on the Internet that, uh, that produce a lot of information, and uh, you can, can keep up with such things as soil moisture, for instance. And the uh, uh, one good site, uh, and you could just plug this into your browser, is the uh, North Carolina State Climate Office. Uh, the North Carolina State Climate Office uh, has got a feature called Weather Map, and one of the uh, it has it has about 117 weather stations across North Carolina, which is pretty good coverage. It uh, represents uh, most of the uh, areas that we're interested in. And uh, they, they uh, have measurements of soil moisture on a daily basis as well as soil temperature and, uh, and many other variables, too, that they measure uh, uh, that deal with the amount of precipitation that, uh, that we have and such other features. So if anybody uh, is, is interested in that, they can just uh, browse through the North Carolina State Climate Office weather map and uh, keep up with, uh, you know, what the soil moisture might be. Uh, another good site is uh, is with the National Weather Service, NOAA National Weather Service, and it's called the National Center for Environmental Information. And uh, if you would just plug into your browser, climate at a glance, that's climate at a glance, uh, you can actually go in there and uh, navigate uh, to get a time series of what the so-called Palmer Drought Severity Index is. And, and that is an index uh, that they've come up with uh, many, many years now to show how severe a drought is uh, in any particular uh, part of the country. And uh, you can go back in, 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 uh, all the way back into the 1800s and see how uh, that index has performed uh, not only in your area but across the nation. And uh, people will find out when they do that that, uh, the, for instance, the 1930s were an extremely drought uh, uh, extreme drought that covered much of the nation uh, back in the in the 1930s, but there, if you if you just look at a small area like uh, Central North Carolina, the Central Piedmont, which includes Raleigh, you can see the frequency of uh, drought and how bad it's been. Yes. Again, I have to interrupt you. You're just too too interesting tonight. But uh, we'll come <laughs> back and maybe jump off the dust bowl into what you're talking about now. Rod Gonski is talking about the weather on the Tom Kearney Show. We're going to check the news, and we'll be back. We're talking about the weather with Rod Gonski. Before we go back to Rod and continue our uh, lesson in, in what the drought is and how it happens, I need to do a little promoing, and that means that I need to remind you that tomorrow night, is uh, Trivia Night, Friday Night Trivia Night, and we hope you will join us for that. Uh, that's when our radio family has, has a meeting. And then on uh, Monday night, Dr. Mike Walton will be our guest, and uh, he will update us on the 
the economy. Rod Gonski is uh, a meteorologist. Uh, he's sort of our meteorologist. He started first appearing on this program in the 1990s and uh, was the warning warnings preparedness meteorologist for the National Weather Service, along with being a regular forecaster. I got that right, I hope, Rod, in, in describing that, but basically what uh, Mr. Petro does now. And uh, when he retired, Mr. Gonski retired from the National Weather Service, we liked him so much, we asked him to continue coming, and he's been nice enough to do that. And we get to find out uh, and understand. Rod, are you there? I'm here. I'm here, Tom. I'm glad you pointed uh, out those those websites, too. That's something that is valuable, because I'm the kind of person who, who when you tell us something new, I like to follow up on it. You know, I like to say, I wish I knew more about that. Sure. That's why I always like when a person, and you do this, too, gives a bibliography or some websites that we can go to. And you can just yep, go to the There's a lot of information there available, and uh, I just, you know, I just like to make people aware that, uh, that you know they can follow along this in a in a in a, a more scientific way that is through you know measurements of uh, of what's going on uh, and and there's better coverage now than ever of the uh, of of things like rainfall uh, across North Carolina very continuous you you, you have uh, radar that goes in there and estimates uh, rainfall as well as getting measurements from the ground to uh, you know to come up with a uh, a complete and comprehensive map of uh, what the rainfall has done across North Carolina in, in you know, in the past. And, uh, uh, you know, talking about drought, are, it, you know, when we look uh, at, at the past years, not too, not too long in the distance past, you know, the, we, our, our last dry spell, uh, really, you know, moderate drought or, you know, severe drought was in 2017. About four years ago, uh, it, it kind of got really dry there in the summertime uh, in 2017. Uh, before that, 2011 was also a very dry period. And before that, uh, there was a really a kind of an extreme drought uh, here in North Carolina back in 2007. And uh, I'm sure you probably remember that, too, because people were look for, looking for rain barrels and everything else to capture their water uh, that they could use to... Uh, you know, to water their plants and, and lawns and things like that. And uh, I know there were uh, a lot of water restrictions here in, in, in Raleigh and surrounding areas uh, at that time. And uh, we saw Falls Lake, uh, you know, go down to uh, a very low level that it hadn't done before. This was, again, in 2007. Uh, in, the, in the late uh, 90s, uh, culminating to about 2002, there was almost uh, – an equally severe drought uh, here in, in the central Piedmont. Uh, and then uh, prior to that, it was sort of uh, kind of moderate uh, for, for uh, you know, a decade there from the late 80s through the 90s. But uh, another period that strikes uh, at, at me because I was in the, uh, in the weather service as a fire weather forecaster was 1986. And uh, I don't know if you remember, Tom, 1986, but... Uh, that was a severe drought year, but uh, there, was, uh, there was also something that happened in May that was uh, quite impressive uh, that, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people experienced. And I don't know if you can remember that or not. Do you, does anything strike a bell in 1986 for you? I can't think of anything right now. I probably will, the light bulb will go on when you tell us what it is. But right <laughs> now I can't think of it because it's not the right season for a hurricane. And uh, There was uh, a tremendous wildfire down east uh, 
called the topsail, or, or uh, yeah, it was the uh, topsail. It was about a hundred thousand acre uh, forest fire that occurred. It wasn't there. near the Hoffman Forest down there, was it? Uh, well, Hoffman was actually uh, uh, another popular fire, or shall we say, uh, infamous fire that occurred back in the '60s, actually, uh, during drought years in the mid '60s. But in 1986. There was a huge forest fire that got going uh, that you could actually see the smoke plume from Raleigh. Uh, right. It was okay. so uh, intense down there, and uh, that happened uh, during a during May of 1986, and uh, that's an indicator that uh, you know the uh, the so-called Pocosin area, which is just inland from uh, from the seacoast, uh, it's called the Pocosin. Uh, that is one of the last areas to what we say green up during the springtime. And just prior to green up, it can be extremely dry, very very, uh, very susceptible to forest fires. And uh, I hope that doesn't happen this year because it's very dry down there this year right now, even drier than it is here around Raleigh. But uh, that was sort of the uh, a benchmark for me as a fire weather forecaster that time, trying to predict the winds and the relative humidity and everything else for the people that were battling that fire down at Topsail. So, uh, so uh, that, uh, yes? I was going to say the reason I mentioned the Hoffman Forest, there's a, there's a, uh, a forest near Agme Delco, which is down there, it's a national forest. And uh, I remember what, in this general period that you're talking about, there was a, a massive fire, and a lot of people went down there. And one of our engineers at WPTF went down there, and he was a ham radio operator, and he was feeding us news bits, you know, because he had his equipment with him and, and everything uh, out in the forest and everything. And that's one reason I, sure. I tend to remember that sort of thing. What, there was um, sometime in the 90s a fire uh, uh, in northeastern North Carolina in the general area where the peat is. Uh, yes, yes. Yes, for certain, in fact, that fire burned for several years underground. It was a ground fire, and that that is that can happen out near Lake Matamuskeet and Pungo Lake and that area. Uh, fire gets into the the peat bogs out there when they're very very dried out, and right. they can just burn uh, and without much notice of what's going on uh, above ground, and then all of a sudden they'll just suddenly flare up, you know, in a particular spot and uh, and create more damage uh, to the forest uh, as they as they come out but it's very very hard to put out and i remember uh, you know working with some of the forest service people here in north carolina and at one time they had to actually divert uh, water from Punga lake to flood an area to try to put out one of these ground fires that were going on out there well the, well, the smoke from that, those fires was drifting to the east and you could see oh. it in raleigh and so on and yeah, it smells pretty bad, too. <laughs> well, it did, and, and it, it darkened the skies, and there was a young lady who was doing a news person for us, and, and, and I was running the control board, and yeah. I told her she ought to play, as a part of her newscast, there's a song called Smoke from a Distant Fire. It's a, it's a, romantic, it's a rock and roll song. And, yep. uh and so she opened the newscast with it because we were definitely seeing smoke from a distant fire in, in Raleigh. And uh, but it was because it had gotten it had gotten dry enough that all that yeah. could, what you just talked yeah. about that all that could could go ablaze. And and we've had the way I knew that we were getting into a drought period is the National Weather Service, as you know, would know. And so we're what about once a week for the last three or four weeks. 
there's been a lot of red on the map, if you know what I mean, uh, indicating, you know, just like there are uh, storm warnings and tor- tornado warnings and hurricane warnings, there were drought warnings. And, uh, yeah. You know, the, well, they, the, call the, them, they call them red flag warnings, too. Yeah. Uh, red flag warnings are, uh, are, are occurrences of uh, weather conditions that will – uh, that are very adverse for wildfire containment. So, uh, so under those types of conditions, typically winds are very gusty, very strong, and relative humidity is very low. And so that if a fire starts, it can get out of hand very quickly in those in those situations where they put up red flag warnings. Yes. Now, you know, in the earlier part of the program, we mentioned that. Uh, one of the ways that we can relieve some of this drought is, uh, of course, uh, with a good tropical system. And, uh, uh, and, and so when we're talking about tropical systems, uh, we, we often think of hurricanes. And uh, we are susceptible for hurricanes here in North Carolina. And, and that, next week, by the way, uh, Tom, is uh, National Hurricane Awareness Week. So uh, you may want to touch base with uh, Mr. Petro there and uh, talk about uh, the National Hurricane Safety Programs that uh, the National Weather Service puts out. And uh, so, so you know, so hurricanes, of course, are uh, at times uncertain. In certain years, they can produce rainfall that amounts to, uh, you know, easily a quarter to a third of the annual rainfall here in North Carolina from uh, tropical systems. And, uh, and that is an important aspect of uh, the rainfall in North Carolina. And uh, because we are situated uh, in North Carolina, which kind of juts out from uh, the main part of the United States out in, toward the Atlantic, and uh, uh, we, we can see a frequency here in, in North Carolina more so than in other areas. And, uh, uh, in fact, uh, in the Atlantic Basin, the most frequented area for, uh, for tropical storms and hurricanes over the last uh, 100 years or so has been just 75 miles off the coast of Cape Hatteras. So whether or not the actual center of the storm crosses North Carolina or not, we are often influenced or often uh, feeling the, uh, if not the whole storm, the fringes of many tropical storms and hurricanes uh, along our coast and uh, even those that come inland. Now, you know, I mentioned the, uh, the causes of drought with high-pressure systems. Uh, can, we, you know, can I stop you? Can I stop yeah, you again? Sure. This is a good, sure. We're going to talk, uh, talk more about drought with Rod Gansky, our meteorologist. But right now we need to take a break on WPTF where our time is 9.45 and we'll be back with Rod in just a couple of minutes. WPTF Radio, Tom Kearney here. Rod Gonski, formerly of the National Weather Service and who works as a meteorologist in private industry now, so he still looks at uh, all those lines and things on the map that, that he understands what they mean, where fronts are and those kind of things. And he's... Uh, acquainting us tonight with some of the mysteries of the drought situation that uh, history suggests periodically, just kind of like a roller coaster. It comes around every now and then, and we uh, go for a period without uh, without any water. But I can remember in, uh, I think it was 2013, uh, we had a, a storm, the, the A-letter storm. It was not a hurricane, but it was a right. tropical storm. But an right. awful lot of, it was the last time my basement filled up is the reason I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but there was a lot of water came down, uh, and uh, sure. 
And then and those, uh, those, June, those June tropical storms that come up uh, can be uh, quite plentiful for rainfall. I mean, uh, you, you mentioned the A-storm. Well, I, mentioned, I, I remember an A-storm called Agnes in, in 1972 that, you know, ran up the, uh, the East Coast states into Pennsylvania and New York and, and caused historic flooding up there along the Susquehanna River that uh, was just devastating to a lot of places. And, and in, in June, you know, you still have some of the, uh, some of the uh, what we call the extratropical storms or winter storm-type patterns still going on. In, in the central North Carolina, or not central North Carolina, but central United States. And, and so if one of these tropical storms uh, kind of links up with, uh, with a, uh, one of these storms that's in the mid-latitudes, it can, it can hover over a certain area and produce a, a, a tremendous amount of rainfall in a very short period of time. So, uh, so it's, it's, I can't remember which A storm that was in, 19, in, in uh, I can't 2013, either, but... but but uh, June storms can be uh, very, uh, very wet. Let's put it that way, uh, you know, as they do. And of course, any any hurricane can, in, can is is a threat for uh, a lot of water. And inland flooding tends to be uh, a major contributor to uh, fatalities uh, uh, from from hurricanes because of the inland water flooding that that occurs here in in, uh, uh, in this part of the uh, United States and. And so that's something that uh, people should look to learn more about. If you're not, if you're new to this area, especially, and uh, you maybe come from an area that is not susceptible to hurricanes, and you're uh, becoming familiar with this area, uh, pay special attention next week when the National uh, Hurricane Awareness Week takes place, and see if you uh, can pick up some information about uh, what to do uh, if if a hurricane uh, strikes this area again. Uh, and uh, with that in mind, uh, I just wanted to, you know, you, we, we referred to the Internet uh, uh, earlier uh, on various sites. People that uh, are trying to follow hurricanes, well, the inter Internet can be uh, very, uh, uh, shall I say, a very interesting place to go to to get information from uh, uh, about hurricanes. And, and, of course, hurricanes are a big uh attractor as far as uh, being newsworthy. So there's, a, you know, there's multiple ways of receiving uh, that information. But the thing I was going to mention is that uh, just like I can do a lot of work on the Internet uh, from here with forecasting, well, all that information about models and, uh, and, and predictions by models is also available out there. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people who are not meteorologists that are looking at, at these models. Be aware that uh, that you know some of these models are good uh, for for predicting, but they're not always right. And so, one thing I wanted to emphasize is always use the official National Hurricane Center forecast because they are the ones that have all of the models and all of the data and all of the past experience on the uh, you know on on the tracks of hurricanes that are. Uh, and, and occasionally you'll get uh, large differences uh, between the models and people have heard about the European model and the American model. Sometimes they diverge. Well, if they do diverge, don't put your, you know, don't look at only one model and say that that's where it's going to go. 
trust the National Weather Service's hurricane forecasters, their specialists, their forecasts. You can look at those that information on the internet, uh, but but do know that uh, that it's best to hear the uh, the official word as far as where that storm is likely to go, especially when the when the models diverge in a big way. And uh, another thing to do is to always pay attention to the trends in the forecast. Are they getting worse, or are they getting less worse for your area? Uh, just notice that uh, from the uh, from the National Hurricane Center as far as the trend in the in the weather forecast for hurricanes. So, uh, hurricane season starts on on June 1st, but that doesn't mean that we can't get uh, tropical storms here. Uh, Right now, or this time of, of year, we've seen uh, I've seen some uh, some beginnings of tropical storms uh, in the eastern Pacific, off the Gulf of Mexico, off the not the Gulf of Mexico, but the uh, off the southern coast of Mexico, and out in the Pacific, in the western Pacific, they had a large typhoon out there in the Philippine Sea. So things are beginning to percolate a little bit in the uh, tropical oceans. Nothing in the Atlantic right now, but that's not unusual. Sometimes uh, well, the Yes, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I, if I can insert a, a couple of things here. One sure. thing that I really like to watch is the spaghetti, if you know what I mean. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> and usually I try to get it from a from a, a broadcast source, you know, some like Channel yeah. 11 or Channel 5 or, or you sure. know. One of the things that showed up over the last few years is that on YouTube, some of the the uh, television stations like in Norfolk and in Florida along the coast and yeah. everything who have really, yeah. you know, astute weather persons, they carry the, the, the weather forecast on YouTube, and you can you can do that, and, and you've got a number of them, so you can, like, as you say, you can compare them and, and see if that's they're, right. what they're saying. So that's, 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 right. that's, the, that's something that keeps me off the streets. I enjoy looking at that. <laughs> okay, Tom. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm I'm sorry to have wasted your not wasted your time, but taking your time here at the end. But but that's something that fascinates me. But you've done a great job tonight, and we're going to call you back and see get you to assess things in in a not too long time. But thank you for being with us tonight. I may talk to you here in a couple of minutes if if you're there. Okay, and everything. All, All right, good show. Good right, show. Talking about thank the count with meteorologist uh, Ron Gatsky tonight on WPTF.